Well, good morning, everyone. I'm, uh, oh, oh, yeah, somebody said it back. Good on you guys. Uh, for those of you that are here, for those of you that are watching, um, I realize that I am not a young guy. <laughs> but I also realize that I'm not an old guy either. I'm in that weird in-between stage where like your body is like, no, nah, no, nah, you can still do that. And no, some, you know, there's a little less like, oh, that reaction time was slower or that, you know, whatever. And that has nothing to do with this. But, you know, I think, and I don't know if this is true for humans, but I think it's true for men that at a certain point in time, you begin to think about a word called legacy. You begin to think about um, what have I done leaving a mark behind, leaving something behind that is good, you know? I, I, I think at a certain age, you, you begin to be a little less how does this life apply to me? And you begin to shift towards a, what am, I, what am I leaving behind? And as I've, you know, moved into leadership more and, and began to understand how little I actually understand about it, I think I understand more and more that legacy isn't whether I am remembered. And I think we make that mistake. Will Carl Jones's name be remembered? Legacy to me has become, did I leave this place better than I found it? Did I, did I leave this place, if, if I stepped away from the things that I'm doing right now and they crash and burned, I failed. You know what I'm saying? I failed. That's bad leadership. And I think what that, what that means is that we keep an eye towards the future, an eye towards what God wants for the future. And that, I think, is true also to Jesus. I think Jesus asked those same questions as he was doing exactly what the Father wanted to do. And you and I, we get so caught up in moments, in earth, in living for here. And that's not bad. But like anything, if there's an imbalance, it's unhealthy. You and I, as believers, if you're not a believer, you don't, just being straight. But you and I as believers have our eye not just on the now, but we have our eye to the future. And I don't just mean heaven. I mean the existence and discipleship of believers. And so I think Jesus, without maybe deliberately saying these words, there was a theme that he kind of lived his entire life with after me, after me. And, you know, we established the Old Testament, the law, the poetry, the prophets, 
Pastor Jim preached a powerful message on the gospel, and it was, it's beautiful. It's the foundation for everything that we have. The, the gospel, you and I are saved. We are alive through Jesus Christ because of the gospel. But now what? Now what do we do? And Jesus says to them at a certain point, look, I, I'm not staying here. I'm, I'm not, I'm going to prepare a place. And I want you to think about, for those of you who have mentors in your lives, in those, in those moments, in those certain moments, when you look to your right to say, what do I do? Where do I go? How do I? And they're not there anymore. The physical is not there anymore. And so you better believe that Jesus wasn't just living in the now. He was preparing the people that followed him for life after him. And that's where we find ourselves. That's where you find yourselves. Thousands of years later, finding yourselves after me. After me. John chapter 17, Jesus prays. It's uh, known commonly as the high priestly prayer. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world." Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word. That prayer is not just for the disciples, it is also for you and I. Thousands of years later. Why? Because Jesus had his eye on the future. Jesus had his eye on the existence of his work continuing past the moments that he was physically on this planet. And you and I are carriers of that. Not simply to be healthy, wealthy, and wise not to have self-help. You as a believer, I as a believer, have two jobs. Preach the gospel, make disciples. That's your job. That's your command. That's my command. That's the continuation of the work of Jesus Christ on this planet. And the question that I want to linger over this room as we continue on this morning, is that what we're doing? Is that what you're doing? Jesus didn't live for the sake of the now, which would be then alone. He lived for the sake of the future as well. He wanted that work to continue. If not, what were all the miracles for? All the persecution for? You guys ever put like your heart and soul into something only to see it like 
crash and burn. It's like, it's a heartbreaking thing, you know? And Jesus did all of this, like the persecution that he faced with Pharisees is constantly testing him, constantly testing him, constantly testing him, his own disciples fighting in amongst themselves. I think sometimes like we look at Jesus' life and it's like, the you know, daisies like flip out. That was my daisy running thing. But you know, <laughs> I can't skip. This doesn't skip, you know. But like that, we, we picture Jesus as this like, wonderful life, and, and he, he had joy that was set before him, but the Bible talks about him being a man of great sorrows because the sin of the world was constantly face-to-face -face with him. And so Jesus, doing all of this work, doing the work of God, which was his great pleasure, but you and I both know is not an easy thing, he wants that to last. He wants the work to continue because he knows that people that do not know him are going to exist thousands of years later. And it's our job to preach the gospel and make disciples. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? So there's this question, this interaction with Jesus that comes and it's, it's, uh, you know, who do the people say that I am? Well, some say you're this and some say you're that. And so Jesus looks at his people. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. And this was kind of the beginning of this incredible thing. And I, I, I know that much will be made of Peter's role in it, but what I want to isolate from that is the fact that the common thing that makes you and I believers is, our conf is that, that same confession but who do you say that Jesus is? Who do I say that Jesus is? You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. When we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts, we're, we're saved. And when we make that confession, that unites us. And what we begin to see here is the foundation that the church was built on, a confession of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And we, we see through a lens of thousands and thousands of years. We see the church through the lens of history or, or personal experience. Maybe you've been hurt. It's, it's, it's possible, it's true, you know, it happens. Or, or, or maybe uh, your church tradition, you know, we did our, the membership class yesterday, and I got to share, you know, I'm sure many of you have heard it, but my church tradition said this place was weird as crap said that y'all were insane. 
And as I walked through those doors and saw no lights and people like up front lifting their hands for whatever reason, and a man saying, I have a word from the Lord, it was like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> right. And that, like, my church tradition, my background said that this made me uncomfortable. And so I saw church through a specific lens, and you do too, whether you know it or not. Whether, you know, I just let the Holy Spirit flow through my, no, you don't. You see through a lens just like everybody else. But at some point, there was this amazing foundation, like church is an institution to us. And I don't mean institution in a bad way. Somewhere along the lines, like institution and organization became bad words. And they're not. Because the church organization, this, is biblical. The minute that the disciples said, we are not waiting on tables. This is nuts. I'm not dealing with this. And appointed other men. What do you call that? You call that getting organized. And that's what this is. An organization. And that's okay. As long as it remains biblical and as long as the organization serves the organism. But at some point, there was a start to all of this. At some point, there was this beginning that began with a confession of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And you saw it in that moment. And guys, that's what Acts is. That's what Acts is. It's, it's the foundation. It's the establishing of the church by Holy Spirit-led lives. That's, that's exactly when you read those pages, what you are reading is something that never happened in human history. What you're reading is something that never existed before that moment. And that is a beautiful and exciting thing to read. It did not exist before that moment. And as you see these people living and dying not just for themselves in the moment, but so that you and I could enjoy the freedom of worshiping God. Man, that's something to take in. It's something to take in. And my, my temptation with this was to, and I, I want to focus part of this on the Holy Spirit. My temptation was try to like bring all the Holy Spirit into this, and it, it just didn't fit. So in two weeks, I'm talking about Paul, Paul's letters, like all the letters, really, not just Paul's. And so I, I want to bring in this morning how the Holy Spirit helped establish the church, but as far as, like, gifts and how that operates, I, I want to go over that in a couple of weeks because it, it just, I wanted to fit it, but Pastor Jim told me I didn't have the time, so that's not true. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of true. <laughs> <laughs> So here's the breakdown of the book. Jesus leaves. Judas is replaced. So Judas replace, uh, betrays Jesus, and then he gets replaced. Pentecost happens, which we'll go over. You're like, what is Pentecost? We'll, we'll go over that. Peter's sermon. So after Pentecost happens, there's this sermon of repentance and whatnot, and th like 3,000 people are added to That's a good day. You know what I'm saying? Like when... 
3,000 people get saved, that's, that's good. The church builds its foundations. There's Peter's ministry. There's Stephen's rise and his death, Philip's ministry, and Paul's ministry that we see. And this is all the establishing of the church. This is all the church becoming an organism and an organization that changes the world. It's the beginnings of what we see right now. Again, we're so used to looking through the lens of an established institution, but what we have in those pages is men and women who lived and died to establish what we now enjoy and what we are continuing to establish for people that will be alive long after us. And I, I think uh, sometimes the church, we're known for things, I think, inside and outside of our walls, you know? We're, we're understood to be a certain way outside, and then some of us have, <laughs> some of us have, uh, you know, I, I, I like Christian satire because we do so many of those things, you know? And I love sharing, I, it's my, if, if you've done this, I'm so sorry, but I love sharing like the Babylon Bee articles and people being like, that really happened? Oh my gosh, I can't even believe that like they'd have a water slide into a baptism tank. And it's like, mm, that's, mm, that, it was a joke. <laughs> and it's like this Facebook war, you come back and there's like 35 comments and you're like, oh man. <laughs> pithy signs, you know, right? And I get it. These are like, I know, <laughs> I know. And, and you know, I, some of these things are bad, and, and some of them aren't, you know? Some of them are just fun. You know it's okay to have fun when you're a Christian, right? Like, that's... Like, it's okay for you to, like, laugh and enjoy God and, like, other people. Just want to let you know that. But I think it's important for us to understand, like, what, what is this? You know, like, what is this supposed to be? And I, I don't, I don't want to make this a commercial for the Freedom Center because, you know, I'm here, so Lord knows this place has some issues. But, you know, I, I look and I see prayer happening, people praying for each other. And I see these Sunday morning services, and I see these things as an opportunity for you and I to be empowered to go outside the four walls of this building and share Jesus with people. Because sometimes you just need to be filled up. You know what I'm saying? And that doesn't just happen like... It, it, it happens in our experience with God together, like corporate worship. This is huge. And look, I'm not going to begrudge anything. This is like basically a spectator sport right now. Like you're sitting in a chair listening to me talk. And that's okay. But please understand that the church experience is so much more than a Sunday morning. 
the church experience on Sunday spurs you and I on to live for Jesus outside where it's needed, where it's needed. In here is safe. I get it. I get it. But it spurs us on for more. And the church isn't just a gathering of people on a Sunday morning. It's people who will go out and build a deck. It's people who will let you buy. I mean, I can't even tell you the amount of people that have let us borrow a car over the year when ours broke down. The amount of people that have lent money when times were tight. The meals that we've shared with people over the years. And the opportunity that we get to do some of that stuff with people now. And, and I get, like, there are organized things that we do with that, and that's fine. But I know that there are many of you who do these things, and it doesn't get posted to social media. That's great. That's church. When we live our lives, sharing the love of Jesus with each other by sacrificing our time, talents, and treasures for the benefits of others, that's okay to do to live outside of the nose on our face. Meeting together, gathering together, this is kind of self-serving, but August is a film month. And right out in those tables are opportunities for you to build community with each other, for you to enjoy each other and grow with each other. And listen, you and I will always understand God better when we try to understand God together. Fourth of, man, Fourth of July was so cool this year. I think it was my favorite one ever. And it, it was my favorite one ever because I saw people genuinely getting excited about interacting with their neighbors. And that shouldn't stop there. It shouldn't stop there. Listen, we have got to be a people who thinks outside of our gathering here. We have to be. Because the world out there needs the impact. There's, there's a lot of hurt. You're absolutely right. And I know there's some hurt people in this room. And I know that we all have pains and we all have whatever you want to call it. And we come here and we get empowered. But you have Jesus. They don't. And that's what we do. We share Jesus with people. You have what everybody wants and what everybody needs. And they're never going to know it unless you show it. And as I think about how this happens, as I think about what was established in those moments, in Acts chapter 2, where there was breaking of bread and there was fellowship and people were meeting the needs of other people, I think about the fact that so much of that was the Holy Spirit flowing through the lives of believers. And the Holy Spirit, the church's establishment and continuation is not possible without the work of the Holy Spirit right now. Without the work of the Holy Spirit then. It's not possible. 
And there's an Acts chapter 2, there's a part in there where it's like, and they had everything in common. Guys, those people had nothing in common. But they had everything in common because the most important thing in their life was Jesus. And the only way that you and I love each other well is when we love God well and allow the Holy Spirit. You know, like, you and I both know that there are people that it's like, I don't like you, but I love you. <laughs> Which doesn't really make any sense to me, but sure. The Holy Spirit had to be an active force in establishing this gathering of believers, and it has to be an active force in the continuation of that happening in us now. Has to be. And so who, who is the Holy Spirit? What is, what is this? There's few things in this life that I think have been amongst the church. Listen, I don't think anybody outside the church cares about this. I'm just going to be straight with you. I don't, I don't see message boards of unbelievers talking about the role of the Holy Spirit. We care about this. John chapter 14. This is Jesus talking. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So here's Jesus sitting before his disciples saying, I have to go, but when I go, you're not going to be alone. It's not going to be me, but there's another one that is going to come to help you. And his role in your life is that he will teach you all things and bring into remembrance all that I said to you. That's what the Holy Spirit does in the life of the believer. He teaches you and he, re he reminds you of what your and I job, what our jobs are. That is the goal. That is what he does. The Holy Spirit is real, and whether you know it or not, is vital, vital. That's what that word says. I had a little trouble reading it. I'm like, what did I write? <laughs> <laughs> to your connection with God and your witness to the world. You need the Holy Spirit to be connected to God and to witness to the world. You need it. You need him. You have to have the Holy Spirit as part of that. So how did all of this come about? You know, like the church, Jesus leaves, and there's this like, what happened? So let's, let's go to the day of Pentecost here with Acts. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
And there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished. Why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? This was confusing. They hear this boom and this wind. And suddenly, a bunch of Jewish men came out as they're all from these different countries and they hear these Jewish men speaking in their language. What? What? What on earth is happening? And I always want, like, what are they saying? And I totally missed it in here. We're going to get to that. Now, there were Jews living in Jerusalem. Whoop. I already did. There we go. Parthians and Medes and residents of Mesopotamia. Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the districts of Libya around Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others were mocking and saying they are full of sweet wine. They're drunk. They're, they're drunk. They don't know, like, what, they don't talk, you know, what is happening right here? So they hear this boom and this rushing wind. And then these men come out and they're speaking in a language that, they, like, I understand what he's saying. How is this even possible? This is so weird that I, as a, as a Roman, am hearing him speaking Latin. This is so odd. Like, you, I know, like, what? And what are you saying? He's talking about the mighty deeds of God. And this was so weird to them that they're looking at them going, you guys have been sipping on grandma's cough syrup this morning? I'm like, what? <laughs> you know? And Peter, that's when Peter preaches that sermon. And he, the first thing he says was, these men aren't drunk. It's like three in the afternoon. Like, this isn't the time to get drunk. I don't know if it was three in the afternoon. I can't remember. But it was something like that. And they hear this. And what they heard was the Holy Spirit testifying to the mighty deeds of God. Listen, the Holy Spirit will always draw the person who does not believe towards being known by the Father and the person who does believe towards glorifying the Father. Always. And so the Holy Spirit in that moment is drawing these people that do not know God towards him. Here are the mighty deeds of God. Here is what God has done. That is what the Holy Spirit does through the life of the believer. And then the Holy Spirit will never contradict the word. 
oh, this drives me insane with so much that I see today. And I, 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 I get it and I don't get it all at the same time. But man, like the Holy Spirit will never, ever contradict the words of Jesus. Never. And so if you're sitting back and you're listening to this person's teaching on YouTube, curse that so much. Or, you know, or listening to this, reading this book or whatever it may be, and this person is saying that God, the Holy Spirit, is telling them something different than what Jesus says in the Word of God, they're not hearing it. They're not hearing it. Because what does Jesus say? He's going to come and he's going to remind you of everything that I already taught. Listen, when you open the Bible, you are equipped with everything that you need and the Holy Spirit is going to work that through you to impact the lives of other people, believer or unbeliever. And you need that. I need that. I have to have that in order to impact the world the way that it needs to be impacted because here's the truth your morality means nothing to a world that creates their own morality it means nothing to them anymore God will help you be a good person I am a good person I don't need your God and what the Holy Spirit does is it allows it allows God, who knows the hearts of men, to draw those men towards him through you, through me. And he used it to establish the church, and he uses it to continue the church. And he uses it in you and I today. Stand to your feet. And that's the book start to finish is the establishment of this incredible thing the establishment of what i believe is the greatest force for god and good in the world what terrible atrocities have happened at the hands of the church sure terrible atrocities have happened at the hands of everybody no organization or organism has done as much good in the world as the church. Why? Because God wants it that way. Every dollar that you put in a plate, every time that you give towards a ministry, every talent that you use to bless someone else is the furthering of the kingdom and the Holy Spirit working through your life to impact the lives of other people. What else are we supposed to do in this world? Preach the gospel, make disciples. That's your job. That's your command. I'm going to say it. It's your and I's command as believers to preach the gospel, the truth that you hold, that I hold in my life, that has delivered me from death to life to share that with other people. And then to bring them along and say, no, no, baby, this is how you do it. No, don't do that. Do this. We need the Holy Spirit for that. They needed it then. We need it now. I don't really know, like, what 
altar call should be, you know, I don't know. Altar workers, you can come forward. But here, you know, here's what I know is that if you, if you want the Holy Spirit to move actively like that through your life, I want you to come down and get prayer from them. And if you're like, man, come down to the front and get prayer in front of all of these people, okay, then I want you to turn to your left and to your right to the people that you're here with, and I want you to get prayer from them. Listen, we are not an, inf- an effective, impactful people without the Holy Spirit working through our lives. And I hope that you see that they needed it. They had to have it then to establish the church. And do you know what's changed today? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing's changed. We still need it today. We still need him today to work through us. In order to do what? Preach the gospel. Make disciples. That's what the entire book is about. The people that confess with their mouths and believed in their heart coming together to begin to preach the gospel and make disciples. And they needed the Holy Spirit to do it. Father, oh man. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it is living and active, the same as you. You are living and active, and you have wants and desires and and things that you like and don't like. And I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that everybody who is a believer in this room, we would bow to that. Not just for our sake, but for the sake of a world that doesn't know who you are that this wouldn't be a country club or self-help groups. I pray that people would get exactly what they need and that people would have a blast together. But I pray that our, our mind would always be on what you want the church to be, and that's a continuation of your work. So give us the strength and the wisdom and the courage and the knowledge to preach the gospel and make disciples. Oh, thank you, Lord. That's in your name we pray. Amen.